Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham. Scott is alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. Hey, Sean. Uh, that was a pretty fun intro you just gave me there. Uh, yeah, that was take two. Take two. Take, take two, two on the intros. Uh, as we come at you here, uh, right after the women's final has concluded in the Boost National out in Conception Bay, in Newfoundland. And Scott's, we'll talk about this event and what happened this week, but. Overall, a very underwhelming week out in Conception Bay. Yeah, Sean, it was some pretty rough uh, games, especially here in the finals for both the men's and the women's event. So uh, not the best curling we've ever seen. Uh, seemed like there were a few picks going on. But uh, overall, we got another event in the books. And uh, we had identified a few things we were looking for before the event. Yes. So let's go through how those played out. Yeah, so actually, it's interesting. One of the things that we didn't talk about, and in retrospect, maybe we should have, and it's in reference a little bit to NBA coaches. NBA coaches talk a lot that there's two games that they're always really concerned about, one of which is the last game before the All-Star break, now that the teams get basically a week Mm. for the All-Star break, and the last game before Christmas, because guys are really excited to go off and spend with their families. This is the last event before a pretty good break for most of these teams, out there, and they played like it, uh, that they were excited to get out, to get away from the ice. There just wasn't a lot of juice here with the teams on the ice, and a lot of missed shots, some sloppy play, you know, that might have to do with the ice conditions out there in in Newfoundland, that, that the ice may not have been as great as we are accustomed to, but, you know, that's one of the things that, in looking at our 10 things that we talked about, Last week, we did not talk at all about this being the last event before a, a major break for a lot of these teams. No, Sean, you're right. You're right. But uh, and looking at the men's things first. Yeah, so let's go with the men's. We'll go in the, the chronological order in which things happened today. Sure. Uh, so, so the first thing that I had talked about was the travel and how uh, these teams that were going to have to play Tuesday night uh, fared over the week. And looking at the records, I mean... Team Jacobs, 4-0 in the round robin, lost that uh, quarterfinal game. Brad Gushu, 2-2, made it to a tiebreaker, as did Yannick Schwaller and Jason Gunlickson. So uh, they were they were all 2-2, two two, I believe, right? Yeah, but we, we should say, too, that Brad Gushu does lose that first game on Tuesday night yep. to Yannick Schwaller, yep. which is a team that you would think, you know, 80% of the time they're going to beat. Usually, like yeah. the, it's a team they're, they're usually going to beat, and so these other squads that you're looking at, yeah, Gunner was two and two. Uh, who else were we looking at on this list? Brad, Brad Jacobs went four and zero. Oh. Brad Jacobs four and zero. So yeah, so not uh, not too bad. Kevin Cooey three and one. Uh, these some of these other teams that played last week. John Epping had a, a bit of a down week. Yeah, one and three. Uh, and Reed Carruthers continued his down week, but you maybe know, sad. Uh, Nicholas Adine three and one. Uh, Moet, uh, Forno. So teams that played last week didn't seem to hurt them too much coming into this event. Uh, we talked also about Pool B, the European pool. Yes. And uh, lo and behold, two of our finalists, our two finalists came out of that uh, that pool there in Bruce Moet and 
in Ross Patterson. Yes, and, and I mean, I think the surprise coming out of Pool B is that Peter Cruz doesn't get a win there. And if you were going to look at a team out of Pool B to go 0-4, with all due respect, you would expect that to be Yannick Schwaller. That's right. Coming out of that pool, but it's actually Peter Cruz And a team that's won a Grand Slam title that has done well. Olympic medalist, I believe. So that's not the team you would expect to really struggle really at any event, but but they come out here and go 0-4. Absolutely. Absolutely, Sean. So uh, that pool that I, I had labeled maybe a pool of death, a European pool, had a lot of good teams as evidenced in the playoffs with, with the final, Yep. Uh, the All-Scottish final. I don't know if you want to talk about the final right now, right here. We're... Well, no, let's go through your other three things, and okay. then we'll talk about the final. Okay, uh, next thing was Scott McDonald. How would they perform at the high level? Not well, Scott. Uh, turns not out well. not so great. No. Uh, they beat Braden Calvert in their last game, but we're 0-3 before that. So, you know, good to get experience at uh, this kind of level, this kind of event. Yeah, but... and I mean, they played close games. They lost to Brad Jacobs by, you know, 7-5. They lost to Nicodine 6-4. So it, they didn't really get blown out of the water mm-hmm. at all. The game against Carruthers was 8-4. to But overall, if you look at it, games that as a team that hasn't really been at this level very often, good on them, play some close games, and they're only going to get better. Exactly, exactly. They they competed and were, you know, didn't come out on the right side, but gained a lot of experience doing it. Uh, next on the list was Jacobs and the Kennedy effect. How would Kennedy not being there? Didn't matter. Didn't seem to matter, Sean. They were on fire this week, and especially EJ played really well. Uh, I don't have my percentages for him for the week, but uh, he he had a really good week. And it seemed like in that quarterfinal game to Glenn Howard, they got into a bit of trouble when uh, they were talking a little bit more. Like Matt Wozniak was giving a little more input that game, and it seemed to not be uh, the right time for that kind of stuff. So, you know, they got to talking a little bit too much and try like a little too cute by half. He tried to play some outturn hit through a port to hit something on the right-hand side. It really didn't make any sense to throw an outturn there. And he said, oh, I see it, I see it. And he had this really great shot early in the week where he played like a run-back tick double to roll to the button uh, and and made it. So, you know, when the skip's feeling it, you sort of let him ride. Uh, But in the end, uh, they played a really good week, uh, 4-0 through the round robin. So they didn't seem to miss a beat. Yeah, and, and switching up their team. And he also, Brad Jacobs, made the shot definitely of the event, probably of the year. And I realize it's the first year of this new quadrennial. Maybe the shot of the quadrennial mm-hmm. that he made against Nicodine in draw 11 on, uh, I believe it was Friday, where he's making this run back, this crazy run back that really was like a pinball shot. And it's hard to describe because... He hits it, it goes off, uh, it's sort of just off center line, it goes off a stone, as you're looking at it from above on the right, re- goes to the left, comes back to the right to hit another one and rolls right to the button. It's an incredible shot. Go look at it on Twitter. There's a ton of different angles on it. It's a shot that, by just trying to describe it, I'm not doing it justice, mm-hmm. but it was an unbelievable shot that he makes against Nicodine uh, in a game that they end up to go on to win. And just an absolutely incredible shot. And to me, that's the most memorable thing that happened this week. 
Yeah, you're probably not wrong. When we look back at this event at the end of the year, I think it'll be remembered mostly for that shot yeah. and, and not and, much else. And like after he makes it, Brad Jacobs is just sort of laughing as he's coming down the ice because that's how ridiculous this shot was. And I think even Devin Hero on Twitter said, oh, I bet that wasn't the call. And then a bunch of people were like, that was the call. And said, yeah. yeah, yeah, they called that shot. Yeah, and you're yeah. Like, Mike oh. Harris among those people. Yeah, like, holy cow, what the hell? Mm. Uh, so they didn't miss a beat. And good for them, right? Good for them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we were skeptical about Matt Wozniak coming in, and and he's a quiet guy. And and whereas Mark Kennedy is a little more open, and and will say, "All right, we're doing this." You know, especially with Brad Jacobs, who we've seen this year has been a little more indecisive, perhaps than in the past. And we were a little concerned of how EJ would step into that, but obviously, no concerns there. Yes, they lose that game to Glenn Howard, but. You know, you go four and one in an event of of this caliber, really not much to sneeze at there. No, absolutely, absolutely. So the fifth thing that I had to talk about was Gushu and the home ice effect. Uh, It seemed to cut uh, be a sword that cut both ways in this event. You know, Uh, the pressure was really on, and we saw it that Briar a couple years ago. He struggled coming out of the gate. Yeah, they struggled early at that event in St. John's, and, and... it took him a while to get used to it, and they were feeling it a little bit, and certainly we saw that here. As we said, they lose to Yannick Schwaller in that first draw. And, and the other thing here is, too, at the Briar, not that there were draws that were light for them because everyone was right. coming to see them, but at the Briar, because you have games or, or days where you have to play twice a day, you know, you're going to get that morning draw with yeah. a little less pressure. There's a bunch of school kids there. It's not quite the same atmosphere. At this event, they played the primetime game Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. Friday, their game was at, I believe, four local time. So late afternoon. But they were put in prime position. They were the draw. So it's a little different from the Briar, where, mm-hmm. where even though in St. John's there, they were the focus, you don't get that breather draw. No. At all. No. So so you, you add that. Smaller venue, granted, but they didn't have that chance to sort of breathe. And, and as you said, they struggled early out of the gate there in St. John's and, and the same thing happens here. Yeah. When it's a short event like this, only four games, it's hard to, hard to really, you know, struggle early and still do well to make the playoffs. They, they did, they made a tiebreaker and uh, from that tiebreaker got in yeah, to they the beat, playoffs. They beat Yannick Schwaller in the tiebreaker. Exactly. So they avenged their loss, but then ended up losing to Bruce Mallett. Uh, who went on to the finals? So let's let's talk now about the final. Yeah, uh, I was on. I ca- I've been describing this morning to you. Uh, yeah, it started at noon <laughs> Eastern time. It's, it was noon. It yeah, it felt like morning still. Uh, but pretty poorly played game overall. I I was surprised looking at the percentages of the teams that the guys actually played as well as they did. When I'm looking here. Uh, Bruce Mao at 78%. He missed a pretty easy pick in the first end that would have given him two, resulted in a steal of one. Yeah, he just overthrew that shot. Yeah, and they reiterated throughout the broadcast. That was the turning point for the whole game because they were chasing after yes, that. Yes, absolutely. They were chasing the whole game. Uh, given that, uh, Duncan Menzies, low man on the ice, the second for Team Patterson at 65% for the day. Well, that's he, a generous 65%. And he just, yeah, he just seemed confused the whole day. He was overthrowing one shot and then underthrowing the next uh real tough ice for uh, this young team here today yeah. and 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 for duncan too it wasn't just throwing he had some sweeping errors sweeping too errors that were there. on him there was a shot in the first half of the game i think it was the third end 
where he was pounding it pretty much the whole way on a stone coming around a corner guard that they were trying to hit and stick. And he overswept it and they rolled out. Yeah. That could have ended up in a force. Right. They, they were lucky enough that they got the blank because Bruce missed his shot. But mm-hmm. Ross Patterson, as he's coming down, says, nobody said sweep. But Duncan was going on it the whole way. And, and we saw a couple of those mistakes in this game. So for Duncan, it wasn't just him struggling with his shots, but he was struggling on the sweeping end as well so mm-hmm. definitely a weak game for him but as they said on the broadcast he made a beautiful double peel in the, in the eighth in end. The ninth end in the, oh, extra. In the extra yeah and that sort of makes up for everything yeah and sean it really does it really does looking at uh, even the front end for bruce mowett's team uh, uh bobby lammy's down at 80 percent. he usually is higher than that and hammy mcmillan had a few big like big misses uh, yeah that it stood out, and so he ended up with a 79% for the day. Uh, Ross Patterson himself was only 76 because of that uh, rollout, as you mentioned, and a few others that were just a little bit off yep. today. So in the end, he made the shot that mattered. Pretty tough board weight. Yep. Had to roll, roll in. Hit and roll for the win. Uh, what, were, what was your thought about that call instead of just throwing the draw? I, I really liked it because they, they talked during that end on the broadcast, and you'd seen it through the game, that they – we're setting up that they like that intern draw path mm-hmm. going that way. And that's what he threw, Ross threw in his first one, to get that intern draw path, yeah. to get it set, to know what they wanted. And then Bruce makes a, a very nice nose hit, straight on the nose. Yeah. And it was clear that a nose hit wouldn't have gotten them. So it was perfect rock placement yeah. by the Maui team. And if you're looking at it from the Patterson perspective, they had set up for that intern draw. They knew that path. So to change the path would be a little dangerous. Just through that other path, you're not sure what this other one. Jill Officer, who was calling that game, she said that you know there was a comment from the front end that they didn't want to go to that, to a different path. Mm-hmm. Whether it was take less ice, throw another intern, yeah. or go and throw the out turn. And Jill confirmed that. And she said as a front end player, and Jill might be one of, if not the best front end players ever mm-hmm. that she, she what, what her point was as a front end player yeah you don't want to see that change this late in the game given how the ice conditions change over the course of a nine end game now and the ice was spotty to begin with that they were struggling with it overall so the highest percentage play was that hit and roll that they threw so I think it was the correct call. I mean, obviously that they made it, but in the moment leading into it, I, I thought it made a lot of sense to throw that because full forefoot on a different path, whether it's outturn or changing that intern path, isn't a given, despite how good these guys are, based on that ice conditions, the missed sweeping calls that we've seen. It, it, it was, I think, the the play. So you, you liked it. Yeah, that's my long way of saying I like that call. <laughs> okay, right on. So, yeah, congratulations then to uh, to Team Patterson getting a win. And uh, all Scottish final, maybe not the juice that we were looking for coming into the week with the Gushu final, the pa- place packed, all that. Yeah. But, you know, bad weather day in, in Newfoundland, so... Yeah, it just, it, wasn't a, it just wasn't a good game. No. They were off, they were sloppy. It just, there wasn't much, there was no there there. 
uh, today. No, I agree. And I, uh, do you want to talk about a bad game? Should we switch over to the ladies? Yeah, all right. So let's switch over to the women's. The, the women's game just ended. Rachel Holman against Carrie Anderson. And, you know, talk about uh, two teams that maybe just wanted to go home. With all due, re- like, w- with all due respect, they're better than us. But honestly, it kind of felt at times like watching a club game. Yeah. There was a lot of misses here. There was a lot of shots where they just were off. And, and you saw it in, in when Rachel's getting these steals in ends where she has no business getting steals. She's trying to force. Yeah. And she's getting steals, missed doubles back and forth, a lot of half-made shots. It just wasn't a clean game at all from from either side no sean and and looking at the percentages i feel like the official scores were being generous (laughs) uh to these teams with the percentages uh rachel homan's team actually gets a plus three on this as uh joanne courtney emma miskew and rachel all out curled their opposition by plus five percentage points but i could see that because for as as off as the homan team was carrie anderson's team was off by even more. Yeah, and and looking at the degree of difficulty for the shots too, Carrie Anderson's team had three other players' difficulty on average was above a two, which is that's really high, really really, really, that's high. really high, especially at the second and third position. You you don't want those shots to be that hard, no, uh, because that's a sign that things aren't setting up right and you're missing shots. So uh, Shannon Burchard curled eighty percent, Val Sweeting seventy six, which was it seems a bit high to me. And Carrie Anderson, 54% for the day. Right. Uh, she just missed a lot of shots. Yeah. A lot of shots. And, and it, you know, I was telling you uh, the other, like, just as the game was going on, like, what if you're Brienne Mayer and you're curling in the 80% and uh, your skips coming yeah. in and messing everything up? Aren't you a little angry about that? Yeah. Uh, uh, I think you are. Like, like you, you know, I think that seventh end was a perfect encapsulation of the game that Rachel Holman mm-hmm. basically did everything she could to give Carrie Anderson two, and Carrie Anderson misses her last shot to only get one. There was another play early in the game. I believe it was the third end where Carrie has a double, which if you looked at the overhead camera, we thought it was for two and Carrie makes the double, but she rolls too far and we think it's for one, but Emma says, well, I'll throw a stick on it. Obviously the right decision because it ends up being a steal for Rachel Holman. And it it was those little things that you just don't expect to see from from this team. And they were just off all day, as was Team Holman, that gave them these opportunities to to have those shots that they just didn't capitalize on. Uh, Just a real struggle out there for both squads in a game that I think to say nicely just was sloppy yeah yeah and and rachel holman curling 70 percent. if you're one of her opponents and you get her curling 70 percent, take that you have to win that game yeah you're not getting that very often no so yeah really tough uh a, a tough game to watch and i'm glad that we were double screening it uh watching the football <laughs> Yes. At the same time. But uh, what do you think uh, about the things we were looking for there before the... So for me, I had my five things that I came up with. You were responsible for the men's side. I had the women's side. So on the women's side, I had, as one thing, Eve Muirhead. This is the first time this season that she's played two events in such close succession to each other. And I was, of course, concerned that she would be able to, to get through because... 
they have made a conscious effort to have a lot of distance between their events given her health situation. But she comes out, she goes three and one. My initial concern, of course, was she had to play those two games on Wednesday, mm-hmm. whereas Suzuki Fujisawa was able to play one game a day, which I thought would have been really good for Eve and her squad. She splits that first day on Wednesday. She beats Jackie Harrison but loses to Carrie Anderson and goes on to beat Rachel Holman and Casey Scheidegger. So really no concerns there for her, no ill effects in terms of the performance. She loses to Jennifer Jones in the quarterfinal, but certainly no shame in losing to Jennifer Jones, obviously. So I was very happy to see that. I think that's a good sign for that team moving forward that they could go through. Now, obviously, we'll have to pay attention now over the next little bit to see if Eve tweets something or something comes out that maybe that was too much. But they have this long break now, which is I'm sure is why they agreed to play those two events back-to-back like that. Yeah, Sean, for sure. And uh, she was on Rock Talk uh, for one of those games, uh, talking to the the folks up in the booth. And she was saying, she was very honest about saying, yeah, it's been really tough and a lot harder than she thought it would be, but she was feeling pretty good and obviously playing well. So, you know, uh, all signs pointing pointing towards the positive there. Absolutely. So my other, my second thing was Sayaki Yoshimura and her squad Mm -hmm. out of Japan. I was very excited to see them. I very much thought that they would make the playoffs, that I picked them to make the playoffs because they were 46 and four. 46 and 14, excuse me, so far on the season. And they got off to a good start, beating Tracy Fleury. Won their first. In their first game. But then they go 0-3 the rest of the way. I thought the game that really hurt them was losing to Jamie Sinclair Mm -hmm. in draw nine. I thought that was the game they needed to win to be able to get to 2-2. And And as we've seen in these events, two wins get you something there. So losing that game I thought was tough because beating Satsuki Fujisawa was going to be difficult mm-hmm. because they're the best team out of Japan right now. And they fall there in that last draw, 8-5. to five. But I think they performed well. They were, they were in close games. They lost 6-3 to Jennifer Jones. They were down 2 in the last end to Sajuki, Sajuki Fujisawa. So that one is not great that you don't want to be in that position. They didn't have the hammer, so they were down there. So not really in a position to win the game there but overall I was pleased with this team I think that the more we can have teams where or excuse me countries where multiple teams are vying for spots at world championships world cups that's a good thing for the sport Mm -hmm. so now we have two squads here that perhaps will be going back and forth yeah I mean first sort of exposure on the uh, the big circuit for their team this year and you're right they they fared well but I think it was a bit of a long shot for them to make the playoffs, uh, despite, even, despite what you'd picked. Yeah. So it's all right. I think as I, I think when I was talking there, I said said Juki Fujisawa. Of course, it's Satsuki. Satsuki. Satsuki Fujisawa. Um, so my third thing was I wanted to see how these teams that had tough losses or tough weeks last week responded. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carrie Anderson obviously did well, makes the final, no concerns there. Tracy Fleury and her squad. They came out and uh, did not have a good week, going one and three. Yeah. So they do not make the playoffs there. Uh, Jamie Sinclair makes it into a tiebreaker, Scott. But oof, yeah, oof. I think that's the correct sound 
for how Jamison Clare's week ends here. She loses 10-2 to to Jennifer Jones in the final round robin draw and then loses the tiebreaker to Carrie Anderson, 12-0. Yeah, and I think she gave up a, a 5 or a 6 to Jennifer Jones. And in, I think it was a 6, And yeah. in the... In the tiebreaker, it was a four-four-three-one. Yeah. Oh uh, boy, yeah, it was pretty rough. Yeah, uh, that one is the, the for as much as giving up a steal of four is is not good. A steal of three, like the one, is what is surprising because <laughs> there's no way Carrie Anderson is trying doing anything. Yeah, yeah. And to give up a steal of one there is really quite remarkable. And even the steal of three when Carrie Anderson is probably not trying to do anything either is remarkable. But that one just sort of really stands out. Yeah. To me and. Uh, so a tough end to Jamison Clare's week there. Uh, the other thing I had here was whether Jennifer Jones could carry over her momentum from winning the Canada Cup mm-hmm. into this event. She goes 3-1. and one. Obviously, that pool, I think, favors her yeah. with Tracy Fleury and the Yoshimura team and Jamison Clare in there. And she goes 3-1, and one, and obviously a great week for them. They don't make it into the final, obviously, but... A good week. They they did not have that letdown that maybe you might expect from a team mm-hmm. coming off a big event. So definitely good on them. There was a great video that the Grand Slam of Curling posted on their Twitter. I don't know if you saw it. Yes, I saw uh, it. Where Brent Lang had, I believe it was their oldest daughter, uh, was on the players' bench and sort of hiding as Jennifer Jones is coming off the ice. And Jennifer Jones sort of catches her eye. And uh, it's this really sweet moment. Yeah that I would encourage everybody to go see on Twitter if you can. It, it, it is this cool moment. And Caitlin Laws is sort of standing behind her is like with a smile on her face, but kind of looks like she just wants to go back to the locker room. <laughs> uh, so it's this really cool moment there. And then the, and the fans, it's in view of the fans as well, yeah. who sort of know what's going on, which is kind of fun. I thought it was funny because she had sort of her Jennifer Jones in the zone stare on yeah and then as soon as she saw her daughter her face changed to like completely lights up yeah yeah and was able to get a good hug in and uh that so that was pretty nice yeah yeah and and you know not to sort of you know speak out of turn but i've seen jennifer jones be able to turn it on and off like that in the media area Mm -hmm. where you know when the camera's on versus when the camera's off and you can sort of see that change in her in those few interactions i've had like once that camera goes off, there's there's sort of this difference, and and not not as a bad thing. It's intensity, right? She's yeah. she's a, an athlete who's competing and in the moment, and then uh, sort of gets taken out of that moment for a minute. So yeah, yeah. You see, uh, you see, sort of Jennifer Jones, the elite level athlete, and you see Jennifer Jones, the normal human being, lawyer, mother. Yeah. What I, like that person, and and she's able to switch it on and off as yeah. she needs to. And that was a moment that really sort of encapsulate that part of Jennifer Jones. And then, of course, my last one was the uh, a mix between the crowd noise and how teams would respond to it. It was a good crowd, but I think the size of the venue mitigated the, the noise a little bit. You just don't don't have as many people in there yep. as you had at the Mile One Center for the Briar. So for as, as good as that crowd was, it wasn't as big of a factor as we saw at that Briar and the other one was whether or not the Hasselberg team could come back from a tough week out in Omaha and if they could respond to it. And they did okay. They go 4-0 in the round robin, but they do not make it into the final as they lose in the quarterfinal to Team Anerson. Yeah, Sean, they had a really, really tough pick in that 
quarterfinal match. Uh, it was a difference, I think, between them scoring two and one. And uh, they, they just had a really tough go and weren't able to get anything going there against uh, Carrie Anderson, uh, who obviously was playing better than she was today. So yes. a tough go for Hasselberg. You and I were both hoping for the Hassel Slam. Hassel Slam. But uh, as of right now, as it stands right now, we've got two slams for Homan, two slams for Hasselberg. Three slams left, I believe. Three slams left. So do we uh, reevaluate our best team in the world? No, not okay. yet. Uh, not not as yet. We don't. I, I think it's still going to be Anna Hasselberg. I think the the next moment at which we could reevaluate is going to be the World Championship. To be honest, and I realize that might be unfair because the odds are against Rachel Holman being there with with no obviously slight to them, but no. to get through the Scotties is a lot harder than it is to represent Sweden yeah. on the women's side. So it's one of these things where if Anna Hasselberg comes out, what, regardless of whether Rachel Holman is there, if she comes out, has a good week, wins the world championship, I think that mantle might still be with them. I think the next, I'm not going to put too much weight, the next Grand Slam is the Canadian Open, that first weekend or second week, excuse me, of January. I'm not going to put too much weight on that one, but we'll see what happens there. I think what is a little more important in terms of the slam season is going to be the Players' Champions, players Championship. The Champions Cup, I don't really care about. I don't think it really matters as much, mm-hmm. but the Players' Championship might be that last time where we can really consider these two teams against each other on the assumption that Rachel Holman doesn't win the Scotties. Scotties. Yeah, all right. Uh, all or, right. or maybe, I would say you could get something out of the Continental Cup, but given the way they're going to do it this year with yeah. the mix and matching of the teams. Not really, And no. just the style of that event, there's really not much on the line. I, I know last year it was the lead-up to the Olympics, and I, there was a game between Kevin Cooey and Nick Adeen, and I was on the media bench, and this, there was a sentiment on the media bench that, you know, yes, it's the, the Continental Cup and it's this fun event, but both these teams wanted to send a message. You know, talking to those, both those teams after the games, they both said that they didn't care. Right. And I kind of believed them. Uh, but yeah, it's more of a fun event there, the Continental yeah, Cup, than anything. So I don't think we could take There's really nothing to take out of that. Much from that. Uh, especially, you know, uh, the year after the Olympics, they're going to mix up the teams. Yeah. I mean, they'll both be there, which is great, but it's not really going to matter. So... I wouldn't reevaluate it as yet. I think you have to take the whole fall season in its totality. And I think Anna Hasselberg has, has a pretty good fall season. Yeah, no doubt, Sean, no doubt. They're, but so uh, is Rachel Holman. So. They're, uh, it's a dead heat. And uh, Jennifer Jones, I think, is in that tier just a below, like a 1B. 1A or 1B, yeah. yeah like yeah. It's one of these things. Like I've said this about women's hockey before where – so here's my theory to improve women's Olympic hockey. Whereas if no team in the three years leading up to the Olympics, if no team at a world championship makes a final, a gold medal game, other than Canada and the United States, what we should have is Canada and the United States in a best of seven series in the Olympics for the gold medal. Because I would watch all seven of those games. Because whenever those two teams play, it's amazing. It's pretty good, yeah. So, you know, unless somebody else wins either the Canadian Open or the Players' Championship, for the Champions Cup, let's just have a best-of-seven series between Anna Hasselberg and Rachel Holman to win the Champions Cup. And everybody else is playing for third place because I would watch that as well. That would be really fun. Really fun to watch, Sean. 
Yeah, so uh, let's let's just recap our picks. Yeah, real let's quick go through before the picks. We're getting yeah. out of here. So I had a, a three point lead going into this. That's right, three point lead overall. I believe thirty four thirty one for the season. Thirty seven thirty four. Same thing. So uh, looking first at the women's side, both of us picked Anna Hasselberg to win. Obviously, we didn't get uh, our two points for that, but she did make the playoffs, so we each get a point there. Uh, on the, the your side for the women, you also had Rachel Holman and Jennifer Jones in the playoffs. Points so there. Another two points there, and you had Yoshimura making the playoffs. Yeah, that was a bold pick. I think I tweeted on Friday that some of our bold picks might have been a little too bold. Maybe and, a little and, too bold. And, and that was one of the bold ones. Yeah, so Sean picks up three points there on the women's side. Uh, for me, I had Hasselberg, Tiranzoni, Fujisawa, and Anerson. So I get four points there. All, all four of those teams made the playoffs. Solid. So I picked up a point on you on the women's side. Yes, but you didn't have a chance in the final. Well, you didn't have a chance in the final to make it that extra point, that fifth point. No, and neither did you because we both picked Hasselberg. Yes. <laughs> just saying. I'm just reiterating. Yeah. Uh, so then on the men's side, uh, each of us get two points. Uh, you picked Gushu to win. Uh, he didn't win but made the playoffs. And Nicholas Adine also made the playoffs. Yes. Your other picks, uh, DeCruz and Carruthers, unfortunately. Uh, I believe they went a combined one and seven. Weren't able to come through. <laughs> uh, and for me, I went out on a limb and picked uh, Scott McDonald to come through and make the playoffs. Bold. Uh, didn't work out. Uh, I also had John Epping to win. Uh, he went one and three, didn't make the playoffs. But I had Bruce Mowat and Brad Gushu in the playoffs. So two points for me there, two points for you on the men's side. Four for me on the women, three for you on the women's. So, so you make up a point. I make up one point here in our, our dash. Yes. And uh, you're now plus two on the season. Chart. So that would make me 42 and you at 39 uh, by my math. 42 and 40. Oh, excuse me, 40. Excuse me, yes. 42 to 40 through the first half of the season. A lot of events coming up. We'll have to figure out how or if we're going to do the Continental Cup because that will change it a little bit. But certainly we have the Canadian Open left, Scotty's Briar. World Championships, two more, um, two more Slam uh, events, Slam events, that, so. two more World Cup events. The season is never ending, Scott. Oh my gosh, it's continuing to go. So, uh, so that'll do it for our re- instant reaction to a lackluster Sunday out in Conception Bay. Yeah, let's go drink some beer, Sean. Yeah, so we'll go do that uh, as we watch the rest of football. Maybe play some trivia. We'll be back. With one more show this year, before we change the calendar over to 2019, we're going to have a year in review special, and our plan is to have some special guests who don't know that they will be our special guests yet, Scott. Oh, boy. So we'll have that for you. I think we'll have, we might drop another sort of fun show in there, too. There's a holiday event at the Ottawa Curling Club that we think we might do a show from. We'll see if we can get the logistics sorted out there. But we'll certainly have one more show for you before the end of the year so that while you're with your family, once you get to the point where you don't want to talk to them anymore, you can listen to us talk about curling and everything that happened in 2018 because it has been a busy year, Scott. For sure, for sure. So there's a lot to talk about uh, from the Olympics. Remember the Olympics happened this year? Oh boy, that was a long time ago. I know, it's hard to remember. So uh, keep your eyes open for that and be sure to subscribe if you have not yet on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever it is you get your shows. Please do find us there. You can find us on Twitter at Game of Stones Pod, as well as on Instagram at Game of Stones Pod. We also have the Facebook page of Game of Stones, which Scott, I realized this week that we weren't updating because... It used to auto-update. 
from Twitter and Instagram, and that shut off after the Facebook breach. So I've for the reset it. So we'll be uh, updating that more frequently now on the Facebook page. So there'll be more updates there with the new shows. So you can certainly like that to follow along with everything that's going on. Scott is on Twitter at Scott Likes TV. Uh, and on Instagram, what's your Instagram, Scott? Also Scott Likes TV. Also Scott Likes TV. So if you want to follow Scott on Instagram, uh, what we do is we don't get each other gifts, but we do Christmas beers. And, and each year it's been a different number of Christmas beers. And uh, this year, Scott is posting videos of him unwrapping the beers that I've gotten him every day. We started last week. So if you go to his Instagram on his Instagram stories at Scott Likes TV, you can find him unwrapping the Christmas beers that I've gotten him. Yeah, Sean, uh, you sure did a good job wrapping them. They're tough tough to open. (laughs) They're tough to open. So uh, definitely go check those out. This is how... You know, we don't have much to talk about other than curling and beer. This is sort of, you know, as brothers, I guess this is the point that, that that's all there's left. Yeah. So uh, so check that out. Uh, Scott Likes TV. I am on Twitter at Dr. Shawnee Fever. And you can always get in touch with us at Game of Stones podcast at gmail.com. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will be back with you for a 2018 year in review. But... Until then, keep your brooms on the ice and don't dub that insert. Make the final.